Hello and welcome. This is Cameron Howell from Turning Point Sermons, and we are sure excited that you are here. Uh, we have a special message for you today by Pastor Kurt Skelly entitled, The Problem with the Problem. I want you to open your Bible uh, to the book of Psalms, if you would, Psalm 77. If you can find your place in your Bible, thank you for coming to church. You made the right decision. Thank you for being here today. And I was uh, with the early service, uh, and they did a great job. There was a great crowd here for the early service. But I just want to say this. Uh, I like this service better. Please don't tell them. I just like you better. I'm just telling you. That's just the case. Uh, all kidding aside, it, it was just great to be in the early service. And then also to be at the Rancho Vista campus. What an incredible job they're doing at Rancho Vista. What's happening? And I, had op I, I went in, first time I've ever been there. I went back and got some coffee, introduced myself to a, a couple that was there, and found out this was their very first time. And they had several first-time visitors. That's a blessing. And that's a, that's a ministry and an outreach of this church. And so thank the Lord for what's going on. Thank you for taking care of my kids. All of my kids have come and have been a part of Lancaster Baptist Church and West Coast Baptist College. Thank you for loving them. Thank you for uh, including them. And I just uh, so much appreciate your pastor, this church, the great music today, uh, all that's going on. Honestly, it's just been a, a real, real blessing. And so thank you, each one of you. Psalm 77 in your Bible. I do want you to keep your Bible open uh, for the uh, entire message. And we're going to work our way down through this psalm. And I think that you're going to see some things in the Word of God uh, that will encourage you, uh, that will challenge you, but ultimately that will equip you to walk out of this room this morning uh, better suited to live for God and to, to honor Him. And so I, I want you to listen carefully. Psalm 77, let's read a few verses together, and then uh, I'll have a word of prayer, and we'll come right back to this uh, psalm in a moment. Look at Psalm 77 and verse 1. Asaph is writing... I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. Look at verse 3. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained. And my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Lord, I must confess that there have been times in my life when I felt this way. And Lord, I suppose that in a room this size with this many people who have gathered, I suppose that there are some even today that are feeling overwhelmed. But Lord, we know that your word is what we need and we know that your spirit is here. We know that you want to speak and I pray that you would help us in these moments to be entirely attentive to what your word says. I pray that you would help us to be submissive to the truth of it. I pray that you'd help us quickly to agree with what we learn. I pray most of all that you would do a work on the inside that I cannot do and go to the places that I cannot go, and I pray that we would be 
challenged today, but more than that, that we would be, we would be changed from the inside out. Lord, bless this message, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Asaph was a great man in, in the Word of God. You probably don't know a whole lot about him. We're more familiar with authors like, like David or, or like Moses. People like Abraham in the Bible or Peter and Paul. But Asaph was a great man. And I know that because the Bible says the Old Testament was written by holy men of God that were moved by the Holy Ghost. So we know that Asaph was a holy man of God. We know that he was moved by the Holy Ghost. Asaph wrote many of the Psalms, uh, about 12 of them. You'll find his Psalms in the 70s. Not the 70s you're thinking about with bell bottoms and leisure suits. Praise the Lord that those 70s are, are gone. But the 70s in, in the book of Psalms, you'll read some of Asaph's Psalms. And Asaph was a man that, that loved the Lord. And Asaph was a man that used his talents for God. And can I just say this? That that's what God expects of you and me. God expects for us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then to use the things that he's poured into us to pour back upon him. And that's what Asaph did. God had given Asaph some great talent. God had given grace, uh, some great musical ability to Asaph. And like the choir that sang a moment ago, and like the orchestra that so skillfully played a moment ago, Asaph was one that used his musical talents for God. Matter of fact, he was the worship leader for the entire country. Can you imagine that? When the temple finally was inaugurated under the ministry of Solomon, it was Asaph who led that great worship service. It was Asaph that led that great Levitical choir. It was Asaph that wrote many of the songs that were sung. Asaph, what a great man of God he was. Asaph was a close personal friend with David. Think about David, uh, that, the great psalmist, David, the man after God's own heart. Think about David and Asaph getting together. Think about them collaborating on some of the songwriting and some of the, the writing of the Psalms. What, what, what a great pair they must have been. And then when David died, how Asaph served underneath the reign of Solomon. And, and now that the temple was built, the great Solomonic temple, there was Asaph leading the worship. Some Bible scholars even believe that Asaph lived into the, into the reign of Rehoboam. Uh, the son of, of Solomon. But uh, Asaph, what a great man. You know, Asaph saw some great moments in Israel's history. He was there with David. He was there with Solomon. But he also saw some things begin to decline. You never like to see decline. You love to talk about the heydays and the great moments. And we could all talk about them. We could talk about some great maybe camp services or revival services or mission conference services that we've been a part of. And that's wonderful. But Asaph, he saw all of that. But over the years, he began to see people leave. He began to see people become lukewarm. And he began to feel a little bit discouraged by some of this. Matter of fact, he wrote about that discouragement in Psalm 73 when he said, boy, here are people out there. They're not even serving God. They're not even trying to worship the God I love. And it seems as if they're prospering. And here am I. And I'm simply trying to be faithful. And I'm, I'm trying to honor God. And, and I'm trying to give everything I have to Him. And it just seems as if I'm struggling. Why is that? I mean, why do the wicked seem to prosper? And why do the righteous seem to suffer? I mean, these are the age-old questions. In Psalm 77, Asaph is also expressing uh, some confusion. 
He's expressing some question marks about God and about why God is not answering his prayer and, and what's, what's going on. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're facing an issue in your life right now that's, uh, that's overwhelming. Maybe an issue in your life that you've not been able to even communicate to others about. Something, a private burden that you're carrying. Maybe it keeps you up at night. Maybe it wakes you up early in the morning. Maybe it, it causes you not to be able to give full attention to what you're doing during the day. You're just carrying it. Maybe a wayward son. Maybe a bad report that you received from the doctor. Maybe someone who betrayed you, lied about you. Maybe some other emotional issue or physical issue in your life. And uh, the interesting thing about Psalm 77 is the Bible never tells us what it was that Asaph was struggling with. Never tells us. We don't know what the problem was. And, and I'm, I'm sort of glad the Bible doesn't tell us. Why? Because then we can insert our problem. Because God is giving us a, a psalm in the Bible that can become a lens. A way by which we look at our struggle. A way by which we look at our problem. A way by which we uh, can uh, put in perspective the situation that we're facing in our lives even today. I want to give you the introduction and outline at the beginning of the message. Then come back and fill in the blanks here as the message progresses. Would you look at verse 1 again? Notice the introduction. Psalm 77 and verse 1. Asaph says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. What is Asaph doing? He's telling us exactly what the whole psalm is about in one verse. He would often do that. He would give an introduction that was also a conclusion. Why? Because he wants us to understand that even though he's going to complain about some things, even though we're going to read some language in Psalm 77 that makes us think, wow, Asaph, you're really kind of being hard on the Lord here. Asaph wants you to understand it all turned out okay. It's kind of like Psalm 73. Truly the Lord is good. I want you to understand that. Now I'm going to tell you how I got to that place. So in, in Psalm 77 and verse 1, Asaph is saying, listen, uh, I cried to God. Uh, he heard me. Everything's okay. Now let me tell you how I got there. Look at verse 1 again. I cried unto God. See his distress? I cried unto God with my voice. Uh, when you pray, typically you pray in a whisper. Or maybe you just pray uh, from your heart. And aren't you glad that God knows your heart and you can pray and not even verbalize your words and know that your God hears you? That's a wonderful thing. But that's not what Asaph is saying. What Asaph is saying in Psalm 77 is, I cried. The word literally means, I stretch forth my hands. God, what is going on with my voice? I don't know where he was and in what private place he was praying, but can you, can you picture Asaph? Can you picture the emotion? Can you picture something that is so burdensome upon his heart that he cries out with his voice? Oh God, what is it in your life that makes you cry out with your voice to God alone? Oh God, that was him. It's his distress. But not only do I see his distress in verse 1, I see his direction. Because the Bible says, I cried unto God. I cried unto God. That's always a good place to which to cry. Now, oftentimes when we go through struggles in our life, we cry to everyone else. We cry on Facebook. We cry on the phone. We cry at work. We cry in the lobby of the church. 
It seems as if we tell everybody about our problems except for the person, the one person that can do something about our problems, and that's God. And so what I want to tell you is that Asaph did the right thing. And even though it's kind of messy, and even though you're going to read some things that cause you to shrink back a bit, what I want you to understand is that in, in general terms, Asaph did the right thing. Why? He cried, and he cried unto God. So there's distress, but then there's direction, and then there's deliverance. Look at it in verse 1 again. I cried, there's the distress, unto God with my voice, there's the direction. Even unto God with my voice, there's the direction. And he gave ear unto me. I love that. What does that mean? That means not only did God audibly hear me. In other words, not only did they hear my voice, but, but also that he, he heard me and did something about it. He heard me and answered my prayer to some degree. He heard me. Aren't you glad that we pray to a God that hears? And so here's his distress. Here's his direction. Here's his deliverance. Hey, listen, that's basically the entire psalm. Now, how did he get there? That's the rest of the psalm. That's the assumption. Hey, we all are in our trouble want to pray to God and have him hear us and help us. We all want that. How do you get there? Well, notice, if you would, verse 2, where the Bible says, in the day of my trouble. So in verses 2 and 3, actually, yes, just 2 and 3, we have what I call the problem expressed. The problem expressed. Let me tell you specifically what my problem was. Let me tell you specifically what I'm struggling with. You can fill in that blank all by yourself. You can put something very specific in that blank. But put down the problem expressed. But that's not enough. Asaph wanted us to know a little bit more than that. He wanted to us to have added detail. So what happens in verses 4 through 9 is we have the problem expanded. So Asaph said, let me, let me tell you what the problem is. He's going to tell us. And then he said, okay, and here's why I'm struggling. Here's why this problem is what it is. And he gives us some more details. You can give details about your trial. You can tell me uh, where, when, what. You can tell me all of that. And that's what Asaph does. And so a problem expressed, a problem expanded. But then the lion's share of the psalm really deals with the problem explained. That's what you're looking for. Hey, that's what I'm looking for this morning. I'm looking for an explanation. Lord, why? Lord, what, what's going on? Lord, bring some clarity. Help me understand. Lord, would you please lend some wisdom and perspective on what's going on in my life because I'm really struggling right now. That's where Asaph was. A problem expressed, a problem expanded, and then a problem explained. Now, you have your Bible open. I want you to keep it open. Look back, if you would, at verse 2. The problem expressed. Look at it. Verse 2. In the day of my trouble, and understand this, day of means the season of. He's not talking about one particular day, like Monday. There, there's my problem. Although, let's face it, Mondays are a problem, okay? But that, what he's talking about here is the season of. You know, in your life, sometimes you go through seasons of trial. Sometimes in your life there's a season. It just seems as if one wave crashes and the other wave comes. When the next wave crashes, the next wave comes. Have you been there? That's where Asaph was. Uh, David said, it's like the waves that are coming and crashing down upon me. And just about the time I get my breath from being submerged from the last wave, <gasps> the next wave comes. 
others. That's what, De that's what Asaph is saying. In the day of my trouble, watch this, I sought the Lord. That's always a good thing. Hey, are you having trouble? Seek the Lord. Are you having trouble? Go to the place where God's word is going to be taught and preached. Hey, see, trouble is not the time to get away from church. Sometimes I'll go to somebody and say, boy, you know, I've not seen you in services uh, recently. Boy, we missed you on Sunday. Oh, pastor, I'm going through a hard time. That's why I'm not in church. That's the time to be in church. That's like saying, well, I'm really sick. That's why I'm not taking my medication. That's the time to take it. And so here's Asaph saying, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. Hey, so far, so good. What is the problem expressed, Pastor Skelly? Look at it. Verse 2. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. But watch this. My sore, whatever that was, physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, I don't know. But my sore ran in the night. And watch this. It ceased not. So whatever it was that Asaph was going through, it was chronic. Whatever it was that Asaph was going through, it was something that didn't go away when he went to sleep. Sometimes in our problems, at least we can get a good night's sleep and say, okay, well, I'll deal with this in the morning. But there was no deal with this in the morning with Asaph because he said, in the middle of the night, I'm dealing with this. Have you ever had a problem in your life that keeps you up in the middle of the night? Because that's what he's going through. It's a sore that runs in the night. It's chronic. But not only is it chronic, watch what the Bible says at the end of verse 2. Because Asaph says, my soul refused to be comforted. Hey, I tried. I tried to uh, bring some comfort measures. I tried to deal with this. But I'm telling you, nothing worked. Well-meaning friends gave advice, and, and uh, I read some inspirational things, but nothing seemed to work. It was a chronic problem. It was a comfortless problem. It was a chronic problem. It was a comfortless problem. I mean, there was nothing that was working to ameliorate the situation. Look at verse 3. Here it is. Don't miss it. Don't miss verse 3. I remembered God. Oh, that's a good thing. Just like seeking God. I remembered God, but watch it, verse 3. I remembered God and was troubled. How, how would remembering God cause me to be troubled? I mean, in my problem, remembering God, it would seem that that would be the first step to getting out of trouble. It would seem to be that would be what would end the chronic difficulty. It seems to me that that would be that which would provide a measure of comfort. But the Bible says in verse 3 that I remembered God and I was troubled. Matter of fact, look at the rest of the verse. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. This was a chronic problem. This was a comfortless problem. But watch this. This was a confusing problem. They say, Pastor Skelly, what are you talking about? A confusing problem. Here's what I mean. What Asaph said was, hey, I did all the right things. I prayed. I went to church per se. I sought the Lord. But listen, I came up empty. But I thought God would help me with this. I thought God would give me an answer. I thought God would take it away. 
But none of that happened. Matter of fact, the more I thought about the fact that God is large and God is in charge and God is sovereign and God is big and God is powerful, the more I thought about that, the more I got confused and even a little bit upset because I thought, God, you can take this away. God, you can give me an answer. God, you can give me sleep. But none of that was happening. And so I got frustrated and I complained. He say, Pastor Scully, I don't think you ought to complain to God. Well, listen, God knows your heart anyway. I'd rather uh, to be honest with him than go around complaining to everyone else. Hey, Asaph is doing the right thing. He's expressing his problem. And what he's saying is, I've got this problem that's chronic. Keeps me up day and night. I've got this problem that's comfortless. I, I, nothing's working. I've got this problem that's confusing. I, I just don't think God is even there. And if he is there, why is he not answering? Matter of fact, look at the last verse of verse 3. Last word, Selah. That's really not a word to be read. It's a word that was supplied for the musician. Asaph was a musician. So when Asaph wrote this psalm to be played and sung, he said, I, I want you to pause there. Can I encourage you in your Bible reading? Don't get in love with a destination in your Bible reading. I've got to read four chapters a day. Don't get in love with the destination. Get in love with devotion. Sometimes God will stop you after three verses. You know what God wants you to do? Think about it. And Asaph wrote this great psalm and God led him to do it. And Asaph said, hey, think about it. Think about it. Sometimes the problems of our life, they don't go away. And I, I can't find any measure of comfort. And I'm confused about where God is in all of it. You think that's bad? Look at the problem expanded. Would you look at verse 4, please, in our text? We saw the problem expressed in verses 2 and 3, but notice, secondly, this morning, what I call the problem expanded, where Asaph gives us a little bit more information about that which he's already said. Look at verse 4. Thou, now he's speaking to God in the, uh, directly, a direct address. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. God, you're not letting me sleep. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I'm so troubled. I can't speak. What's he doing? He's talking about his distressed state. This is it. Here's my distressed. Let me describe my distressed state. Hey, I can't sleep at night. Man, I go to bed at night hoping that maybe I'll get a few hours sleep and, and everyone feels better in the morning after having slept for a, a, a good eight hours or seven hours, whatever it is. But Asaph said, boy, I can't get any respite. Man, I go to bed at night and I, I look at the clock and it says, uh, or the sundial, I look at the whatever you have, I look at it and boy, it says 918, 1027, 1131. 12.15, 1.43, have you ever been there? 2019, 3.50, 4.37, 5.10, your alarm's set for 6.30, 6.12, and then you fall asleep. 
and the alarm goes off and you hit it. You don't, you don't push it, you hit it. Why? Because you want nine minutes of snooze alarm time. You wake up like a zombie. And you start all over again. And people say, you don't look yourself. Yeah, I didn't sleep. <laughs> What's wrong? Can't talk about it. You look like something's burdening you. Yeah, but I, I just can't share it. That's where Asaph is. I can't sleep. I can't talk about it. It's in my heart. I can't even frame it properly. I don't know what's going on. Have you ever been there? It's a distressed state. Watch his diligent search. Look at verse 5. I've considered the days of old. But I wanted to provide some kind of context for this problem. So I, I got in the history books and I tried to see other people that were going through what I'm going through, the years of ancient times. I, I called to remembrance my song in the night. I mean, uh, Asaph had special songs that meant something to him and maybe some songs that he had written. And like Job uh, testified, uh, there was a song in his night that ministered to him. And, and maybe uh, Asaph even read the book of Job and thought, man, God, you did it for him, do it for me. But nothing was working. I mean, he's listening to great is thy faithfulness or, or it's equivalent and uh, count your many blessings or it's equivalent, but nothing is ministering to him. He can't find any good, valid historical examples and he can't find any songs that are bringing him comfort. Hey, I'm the only one and God, where are you? Watch what it says in verse 6. I call to remembrance the song, my song in the night. I, I commune with mine own heart. No one to talk to, so I just talk to myself. Have you ever talked to yourself? Listen, it's not wrong to talk to yourself. When you start answering yourself, you've got some issues, okay? What's he doing? He's talking to himself. Asaph, come on. Come on, Asaph. Come get yourself together. Come on, Asaph. You're the worship leader. Come on, Asaph, you teach other people. Come on, Asaph, you lead other people to worship God. Certainly you can worship God. You tell other people to have faith in God. You tell other people to love God. Come on, Asaph, you're a Sunday school teacher. You're a mom. You're a dad. Come on, Asaph. Have you ever felt that way? That even what you're telling other people is plastic because you don't really feel it yourself? That's where Asaph is. He's trying to have these conversations with himself, but nothing is working. Notice the end of verse 6. I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Man, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm in this distressed state. I can't sleep at night. I can't even talk about it. I, I don't even know how to verbalize what I'm going through. And I, I'm trying to contextualize it and find examples, but I can't find them. And the songs that I've written and the things that have worked in the past are not working right now. Causes a doubting spirit. Look at verse 7. His distressed state. I make diligent search. I'm looking for an answer, but I can't find it. So now he has a doubting spirit. He begins to question things that he's never questioned. He begins to ask questions that he's never asked before. Questions that speak to the very heart and soul of who he is. And he's a leader. Watch what it says in verse 7. Will the Lord cast off forever? Boy, has, has God put me on a shelf? Have I just been tossed aside to, 
the rubbish bin of service? Am I done? Look at verse 7 again. Will he be favorable no more? I mean, have I seen the last of God's goodness? I've seen some great things that God's done and some great victories that have been won. And uh, no doubt he was thinking about uh, particular things that God has done for him. But God, is that over? Are you bankrupt in grace right now? Because it certainly seems like you are. Look at verse 8. Is his mercy? And whenever you read mercy in the Psalms, understand that this is not the, the, the word mercy that we would use today in English. The word mercy here is much larger It's much deeper. The word mercy here means God's loyal love to you and me. God's loyal, unconditional, unfailing love. Watch the question that Asaph asks about God's loyal love to him. Watch it. Watch the question mark in verse 8. Is mercy, is his mercy clean gone forever? God, have you stopped loving me? God, is your unconditional love conditional? God, is your unending, unfailing love ending and failing? Pastor Skelly, how could anybody question the character of God? God is love. Listen, trials will do strange things to you. Trials that erode upon you like the drop of water that erodes upon a hard granite rock and over years creates ruts in your life. And that's what's happening to Asaph day after day after week after week after month after month, maybe year after year. Chronic, comfortless, confusing. God, where are you? Look at verse 9. Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah, stop and think about it. God, are you mad at me? God, it's me. I've tried to serve you. I've tried to love you. I've been faithful and others haven't. I can't sleep. I can't talk about it. You're all I've got and you don't seem to be there. God, where are you? Don't you love me? God, are you mad at me? Boy, he's going through it, isn't he? The problem expressed. The problem expanded. But watch with me lastly this morning. What I call the problem Explained. Oh, this is so good. For the Word of God is such a, a resource. What an encouragement. Look at what happens here in verse 10. I love it. Psalm 77 and verse 10. Don't miss the verse. And I said, here's his testimony. Do you see it in verse 10? And I said, this is my infirmity. He finally got around to it. Oh, this is my problem. This is my problem. This is my problem. Here's my infirmity. My infirmity is the way I'm looking at my infirmity. My problem is not my problem. My problem is the way I'm dealing with my problem. Hey, I've got a problem with the problem. See, the problem that's being expressed in Psalm 77 is the problem that Asaph had. Lord, I've got this problem and you don't seem to see my problem. God, I've got this problem and you don't seem to care about my problem. Lord, I have this problem and you don't seem to love me in this problem. Uh, Lord, I have this problem so my problem is with you. 
And if you'll be painfully honest this morning, some of you would have to admit and say, you know what, Pastor Scully, I've got my problem. I could tell you all about it. But really my problem, because it's not solved, my problem has become my problem with the problem. And while we'll never read in Psalm 77 what the problem was, and while we'll never read in Psalm 77 how God or even if God, because God didn't solve everyone's problems. Remember Paul and the thorn in the flesh? He doesn't always do that. But what God did solve in Psalm 77 was the problem with the problem. And the solution to your problem with your problem starts with, ready for this? It starts with admission. Admission. Say, Pastor Skelly, what in the world do you mean by that admission? You've got to get to the place in your life when you realize, listen, hey, my problem is with God. I'm going to be honest. My problem is I don't understand. And because I don't understand, I'm going to assign blame to God. And what Asaph finally did is said, God, this is my problem. And Lord, my problem really here is a lack of faith. And my problem here is really I've given you some multiple choice answers. And God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He thinks so far above it. He has plans that we can't understand. And so finally Asaph had to admit, this is my infirmity. By the way, that's what happened when you got saved. When you got saved, you had to come to a place where you admitted, God, I am a sinner. And I have no power or wisdom. I have no way. God, I thrust myself entirely upon your mercy. I don't understand all of the multifarious aspects of salvation. And I can't give you all the definitions for justification and sanctification and redemption and propitiation and imputation. But Lord, I just know I'm a sinner and I need help. That's where Asaph is. God, I admit I've got a problem with the problem. So there's admission, but watch this, number two. There's what I call an adjustment. There's admission, but now watch how he totally adjusts the way he's looking at his problem. And this is exactly what I need to do. And this is exactly what you need to do this morning. Watch it. There's admission. That's the first part of verse 10. But watch the adjustment that follows at the end of verse 10. He said, this is my infirmity. But, see the contrast, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Look at verse 11. I will remember, that's our verb, I will what? Remember the works of the Lord. I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate, that's a different verb. I will remember, I will meditate also of all thy work and talk, that's a different verb, of all thy doings. So here's the answer. Okay, God, it's my problem. And my problem is the fact that I have a problem with the problem. And Lord, I've been looking at this all the wrong way. And Lord, now I see that my problem really is a lack of faith. My problem is I'm not trusting you. And so God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to adjust the way I'm looking at my problem. I'm going to quit psychoanalyzing all the aspects of my problem and think about all the ways it's affecting my life and all the things it's doing. And I'm going to start remembering things you've done for me. But God, I'm not just going to remember them in a punctilier way. I'm not just going to remember them in an itemized way and say, okay, I did, Lord, you did this and Lord, you did this. But Lord, I'm going to remember and then I'm going to think about it. What God wants you to do today is God wants you to remember some things he's done for you. Like when he saved you. 
like when he was there, when no one else was there in that situation. You know the one I'm talking about. And God says, I want you to remember, and then I want you to think about it. I want you to remember, now I want you to think about it. Think about it. And then I want you to tell us some people about it. You know what? God was there for me. Now, I know in this problem right now, you don't think he is, okay? But talk about the one where he was. Okay, I remember. Think about it, okay? Now I'm going to talk about it. Remember, think about it, talk about it. Now, what's funny is God says, think about my works. Now, we know God's works, things he's done, but then think about my wonders. You know what a wonder is? A wonder is something that God does that you can't explain. Has, ever, has God ever done something for you that you can't explain that's really, really good? Well, if you're saved, he has. And he's probably done a million other things too. So what does God say? God says, instead of thinking about the problem that you can't explain, think about my goodness that you can't explain. Instead of thinking about the problem that you can't figure out, think about my wonders that you can't figure out. Hey, stop, think, talk about it. I was with Dr. Sisk years ago. We were golfing together. We typically try to engage in many spiritual functions. And so we were golfing together. And uh, he was in the golf cart with me. And in between holes, we were waiting for the next group to get started on their hole. We're just sitting talking. And Dr. Sis said to me, he mentioned a missionary. A missionary. And as soon as he mentioned the missionary's name, I remembered this guy. He had come to our church years before seeking support. I love missionaries, and we love to support missionaries, but this particular missionary rubbed me the wrong way. He just came in. He, he was kind of lazy. He was kind of full of himself. I mean, it just really rubbed me and our church the wrong way. We ended up not supporting him, which was very, very rare for us. So as soon as Dr. Sis mentioned this missionary's name, I began to say, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we had him. Yeah, yeah, here's what he did, and here's how he acted, and here's what he said, and yeah, we didn't support him. And I just went into a whole story about how disappointed I was in this missionary. And Dr. Sisk is just listening to me. When I finished all of my complaining and griping and criticizing, he just looked at me. He paused for what seemed to me a really long time. And he looked at me with that Dr. Sis smile and said, Brother Skelly, isn't God good? And immediately I knew what he did. Here I was working myself up about a past hurt, a past disappointment. Dr. Sisk avoided all that and said, Pastor Skelly, isn't God good? Asaph said, boy, you know, the more I think about my hurt and my problem and my sore, the more I meditate about all the ways it's affected my life, it gets larger than life. And so finally, Asaph got to the moment where he said, you know what? Isn't God good? It was an admission. It was an adjustment. And finally, it led to what I call adoration. The best way out of your problem is to praise your way out of the problem. The best way out of your situation, yeah, well, I'm awake all night, then praise God all night. Well, I can't talk, then praise God in your mind. Because what's happening here is when he admitted it, when he adjusted his thinking to realize, oh God, you're so far above anything I could ever be, and Lord, I can't explain your wonders, that he begins to uh, 
adore God. Watch what happens in verse 13. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Wow. A few verses before, he's saying, God, are you there? Hello? Are you man? Have you stopped loving me? Now he says, God, you're great. <laughs> and he's telling everyone, our God is so great. Who is as great as our God? Look at verse 14. Thou art the God that doest wonders. You do things I can't explain. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Lord, you're so strong. My God is so big. He's so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Hey, think about that for a while. Verse 16, the waters saw thee, O God, the waters saw thee. They were afraid. He's talking about the Red Sea. He's talking about salvation. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. Lightning, the voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. You serve a God that can shake everything. Notice verse 19, thy way, see it? Thy way is in the sea. And thy path in the great waters. Stop. Who would have ever thought of that? Who, who would have ever thought that you could lead a group of people to a body of water and make a pass through it? Now, you know the story of the Red Sea, but put yourself in, in their position. Who would have ever thought that God's plan would have included a path through an ocean. And just as they could never have envisioned that God would have led them through a, an ocean with a, a, a wall on one side and a wall on the other side, so you can't envision what God's going to do in your situation. But he's got an answer just as surely as he had an answer for them. What's God saying? God, what, what's Asaph saying? He's saying, God, I don't know the answer to my problem, but I sure do know the answer to my problem with my problem. Because God, you can figure things out. and You've got innovative ways to solve things that I would never think of in a million billion years because you have a path that goes right to an ocean. And who in the world would have thought of that? Thy path Thy path in the great waters and thy footsteps are not known. You're not going to figure them out. Look at verse 20. Thou ledest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. That's, that's the conclusion. Look at me. That's the conclusion. You know what the conclusion of your problem is? You might never have an answer to your problem. Lord, I've got this problem in my life and it's besetting me. I feel as if I could be much more effective for you if you would simply take it away. Uh, no, Paul. Lord, I've got this messenger of Satan that's buffeting me. It's a thorn in my flesh. It might have been his eyesight. Lord, I think I could be more effective in ministry and go more places and, and to do more things for you. Lord, if you would simply heal me. No, Paul. Sound like Paul was having a, a little bit of a problem with his problem. Lord, uh, I'm coming to you a third time. I, I, I've heard you twice, but I just don't think you're understanding the way I'm framing this, Lord, because uh, uh, I think I could be much more effective for you if you would simply answer my prayer and solve my problem. Paul, my grace is sufficient. I know you. And Paul, I know that if I solved your problem, you'd have a bigger problem. Pride. So I'm going to leave your problem 
so that you can keep on serving me because in your weakness, that am I strong. And so don't have a problem with your problem, Paul. Your problem is enough. So what does God say to you? God says, you might never understand it, so trust me. And like a sheep that follows a shepherd, let me lead you. Do you have a problem with the problem? Solve it. Because the problem might never be solved. Boy, I love Pastor Skelly's uh, perspective on dealing with these sorts of issues and uh, really how bitterness and frustration can breed uh, this sort of uh, problems in our lives that are, are very difficult to overcome. Uh, you know, you can become so frustrated by the events that are keeping you from being as uh, effective as you think you could be, um, and you could use those things as a stumbling block that could keep you uh, eventually from being as effective as God wants you to be. Um, and, and the reality of the situation is uh, we are here for God's purposes. Um, and just like he said, uh, sometimes the, the problem with the problem becomes bigger than the actual problem. So I love the, the perspective there. I love the application for us as Christians to really focus on doing what we can for God, um, but not letting anything cause us uh, to be limited. Well, thanks for joining us today, and I hope this was a help to you. God bless you.